Welcome back. Welcome into Country Roads Confidential. Earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. It is Saturday evening here. The sun is out. The dark clouds over Mountaineer Field rolled away, I don't know, right around 1.30 this afternoon. West Virginia scores 38 unanswered points, allows a brutal kickoff return that means a lot to probably only a few people. At the end of the day, it's a 38-17 win for West Virginia. Highs and lows, um, bullets and blanks, we can discuss it all. The underrated Chris Anderson is here to help me out with this. I am glad to be here, I think. Maybe. Yeah. I, I'm, 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 I might sleepwalk through this after that, that game. Like, that was, it was tough. It was a tough watch. It was a tough watch. I don't – it became pretty apparent to me – Middle second quarter, Kansas had the wrong guy at quarterback, yeah. and they were not going to score. Never mind move the ball; they weren't going to score on West Virginia's defense. So when you don't have a quarterback and the other team's defense is absolutely locked in, it looks like they know what you're calling or running based on any down and distance of personnel package. Which is something I want to get to. Um, you know, it's going to be a long day for the visitors there. So 51 straight losses on the road in Big 12 play. Um, 38 points is kind of a breakout <laughs> for the offense. Um, in the past nine Big 12 games, that's a full season, 17.3 points per game, nothing greater than a 27-point game. That was against Baylor, the last game that took two overtime. So 38, a veritable explosion. And this just feels weird, Chris, because I don't want to say they didn't earn it. They earned the win. They were, they were by far better. And some of the stuff that happened was flukish, especially the one touchdown that Kansas got. Uh, but some of these fluky things just keep happening, getting in their own way on stuff. And then, to be perfectly honest, two of those touchdowns were junk garbage time touchdowns. West Virginia went to the bench up 24 to 10. Like, it felt like a two-touchdown lead was insurmountable and was absolutely the correct call, but went to the bench early, had, had subs in, and was just running different stuff with, like, 10 minutes left in the game. I couldn't believe it. Um, I think this is going to be a game where people pick up the box score of the newspaper or – click on a link and say, oh, one by you know, 21 points. And it will and won't feel like that. It's very indifferent, isn't it? Yeah, I. you mentioned the two-touchdown lead felt insurmountable. The seven-point lead felt insurmountable. I mean, as mm-hmm. soon as it got to 17-10, it was yep, game over. That's it. Um, as you noted, it felt strange. Um, before the game, I said, you know, when we did our podcast on Friday, I said, hey, that Eastern Kentucky game, you know, the offense got going and it – it was, hey, whatever, who cares? It's Eastern Kentucky. And I said, against against Kansas, it might actually feel like something. Yeah, I'm not sure Kansas is good, but West Virginia can, if they can get their offense going against Kansas, it'll at least feel like something. I was specifically referring to the passing game and the deep passing mm-hmm. game. And one, I'm not sure it did. Although, I mean, I, I gave like a, rock the rock level eyebrow raise when when neil brown said after the game the offense was good i don't know i don't want to say he said it was good i know he said it's better it wasn't that bad or it was good i don't i'm not sure i agree with that but um it just felt bad like kansas is i knew kansas was bad you guys have heard me on this podcast a thousand times say they're bad they're ceiling they're they're the basement of the big 12 there was zero there was no way West Virginia was losing that game unless they literally threw four pick sixes 
and had them bounce off uh, two more passes bounce off Nick Troy Fortune's hands. They had no plan. <laughs> Their quarterback is is you can't win a game with that with Miles Kendrick a quarterback. I'm sorry. It, it felt like. Their whole game plan was just, let's try to get to the edge. And we talked about it pregame. They like to run to the edge. They like to run outside. They were throwing outside. That's not going to get it done against West Virginia. West Virginia's defense is good in a lot of areas. And where they might be best is lateral speed. And they had nothing going. There was zero chance they were scoring a legitimate offensive touchdown this entire game. Yeah, they got something cooking on defense because the defensive line is stout. The, the main four players were really good today. All four of them, both stills, especially Mesador and Jeff Buller. Buller, again, not not flashy, but, man, he's solid. Um, and just gives you good snaps again and again and again. Those four are just good. You're not running the ball at them. And there were times they were there, like Kansas, you know, and one and two situations. We'll just run it right at 56 and 55 and 9 and 90 and we'll get the yard. No, you're not. And then you're right. Um, when you're spilling fields or Chandler – and Smith and Mahone outside, you're not beating them outside. And if you do, you're not getting seven yards, nine yards. You're getting three, four yards because someone's going to catch you. Uh, and frequently, it's it's a defensive end that's catching you too. Um, sometimes on the far side of the field, they're they're good on defense. Like let's start there. Um, we qualify a lot of things by saying, "Oh, it was Eastern Kentucky." All right, well, let's put the four games in a row. You did what you're supposed to do against Eastern Kentucky. Um, I think they regret their attack against Oklahoma State, but still were in that to the very end. Um, kind of got beat by a quarterback who wasn't going to beat you in a running game that you can't let beat you, but still in that game. Baylor, I mean, put up 47 against this this Kansas team and, and can do some things. The quarterback's question mark, but fast, talented. Also got two special teams touchdowns that day, too. Don't forget that. Um, and then today, again, it's Kansas. One touchdown's an absolute fluke. Another touchdown's a kickoff return. And then the three points in the early in the game is the turnover in a short field. We're talking, you tell me the stat here, you take away the 43-yard touchdown pass that goes through Fortune's hands. And, and Fortune did everything right. I mean, he read that right. He, he timed his strides. He was underneath it. He undercut it. He got his hands on it. If he catches it, we're talking about uh, probably a walk in the park today, too. But this, we're talking about, is this the best defense that West Virginia has seen after the Oklahoma State game, after the Baylor game? Is that the best defense they're going to see every day in practice? Yeah, I think so. It's it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, Kansas it's really good. Wanna, it's fast. Yeah. It's it's confident. It's stout. It's it's smart. It just does everything right right now. How how mad would you be if you're you're this West Virginia defense and you are is credited the right word or or you know blamed for quote unquote um, allowing seventeen points. How many points would you say that this defense was actually responsible for today? Zero? Uh, again, I, I really want to ha- – well, you take seven off the board in a kickoff return because right. it was scrubs in there and they missed tackles, so that, and it's a special teams play. Fortune did 99% of that play right. I mean, he was with the guy man-to-man, and he cut underneath at the right time. He read everything right. He just missed it. And then the field goal, I mean, they gave up the first down on the drive, but they shut it down, too. That's the best you can ask for in a short field. Um, maybe you stop the first third down. And you get off the field, you're forced to fourth down, but still quick, quick change right there. You probably, you just kicked off. You just sat down. That's a hard transition too. like, I'll, I'll give them three, but like the other, the other seven, I, I know they gave up a touchdown pass, but that guy's going to make that play just about every time. All right. Here's, here's some for you. West Virginia ranked 
uh, I think it's 13th in the country in scoring defense coming into the game, allowing 19.3. So that's going to get better, even with the, I would say, illegitimate 17 they gave up today. Uh, yards per play. Would you like to take a guess at where they rank nationally in points per or yards per play allowed? Give me. I like that a lot more than total yards. Total yeah, yards, I think, is kind of artificial. I like it too. And West Virginia is number eight in the country coming into this week at 4.39 per play, yards allowed per play. And today they averaged allowed about two. So <laughs> West Virginia's defense is going to be ranked in the top, maybe top five nationally in yards per play for defense. I want to get on Brown's bandwagon for changing statistical categories because he he's kind of right. He's right about the sack yardage thing. You shouldn't lose rushing yardage. You get sacked. It's a pass play, right? Um, his interception thing where if the ball hits your receiver and it's deflected or whatever, that shouldn't be an interception. That's, that's radical, but okay, I'm there. Let's get weird. I think scoring defense should not reflect special teams. And yeah. they gave up 10 points today, not – not 17. So you're talking 19 and change. It's going to go down because they allowed, you know, two point whatever fewer. No, they allowed nine point whatever fewer too. And then when we're finished here, um, total yards, 157. You'll have to give me the history on that one. 43 way, come on a fluke play that should have been a turnover. <laughs> it, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but we said we didn't like total yards. West Virginia is mm-hmm. number six in the country coming into this game yeah. at 268. So 157. Uh, I, I am not doing the math on that, but 980 divided by four was that two, 240 something. You're in the 240 mm-hmm. range, which would bring you into the top three in the country, mm-hmm. depending on what other teams do. This is, this, this is the, the conversation we're having right now about West Virginia football. Is a top five defense in the country. Um, historically, have you done this yet? When's the last time they, get, they allowed 157 or fewer? No, I haven't. I can do I it. If you, why don't you let me some fill. time for let me? Let me fill. Sure, <laughs> let me fill. I'll, I'll sing a jingle or something like that, too. Yeah, so 95 passing. Miles Kendrick, 14 of 23. And again, he's not their future. Their future is Jalen Daniels. They're just killing time until they get him in there. For whatever reason, they came to town today and said, we want to give one guy the reps. We want to build the confidence. I don't know why. There's no way you're winning or turning around the program with Miles Kendrick. No offense to him. He just he didn't have it. Um, 23 attempts, 95 yards, two interceptions, threw the ball right to the guys a couple times. Um, I'm not sure why they didn't play McVitie unless McVitie's worse or why they didn't play both or whatever, but you could tell they needed a spark and they weren't going to get it going. And then rushing yards, 62, they were allowing 65 and a half yards to Puka the first two times they met him. 11 carries, 21 yards today. His long was nine. Um, and then they gave Velton Gardner 11 carries too. He was more productive, but he got 26 of his 43 yards on one carry, so... Um, that offensive line we talked about it as, as bad or as sieve as, as advertised there, but 31 carries, 62 yards, so 157 yards. Historically, not great, but again, pull 43 out of that. That should have been a third interception. It should have been a turnover. And I'm not being mean to Fortune. I bet you Fortune's probably mad at himself too because that should have been going the other way. Instead, it's tip. It's a tip ball. Parchment gets the touchdown catch, um, and you're still at the end of the day talking about man. Even with that, it's a pretty good defensive performance. For the record, uh, I cannot find those stats. Uh, not available looking at um, opponent's yardage. I did not see it uh, in the database that I'm trying to do, but I did find this. The third time in four games that mm-hmm. a West Virginia opponent has had one or fewer attempts in the red zone. Today, zero for Kansas. The last time that happened, 
2015. Also Kansas and Georgia Southern. They did twice that year. 49 nothing on Kansas and 44 nothing on Georgia Southern that year. And both how of those much are of this, mm-hmm. How much are so you log into um you know to just it's it's a weird preseason. Everybody's not practicing enough and tackling enough to or blocking enough, whatever, and it's bad offense. But and so maybe that's why West Virginia's defense is good and better than than expected. But along the same lines, you know, they're doing things that aren't expected of a defense too. So I wonder could they be better because they're not benefiting as much as they could with a normal season, or they're benefiting because the offenses are just you know, as affected as as it seems like they are. There's a lot of bad offensive football going on out there. There is, and I think the biggest thing, I can't explain just how big of an ad Tony Fields was. Like, I think when he committed, I, I caught a little bit of flack because I referred to him, I, I was accused of clickbaiting here, uh, Mr. Huge News over there, mm. um, because I called him <laughs> the, the biggest defensive transfer in college football in all of college football and i meant that i still do and i think i'm starting to get vindicated by it because one he's obviously making plays he's filling up stat sheets he's doing all sorts of things but once you slide him in there and you slide other guys over it kind of makes everyone better and when you added him, you really made it kind of elite at all three levels of the defense. I put this as one of the reasons uh, during my you know, five reasons WV will win bigs, five reasons they'll fall flat. I said they're they're now they're elite at every single level on the front, and I mean elite because uh, at the front you got um, the Stills brothers as as elite players in the defensive line, and now at linebacker Tony Fields. I, at Josh Chandler, I wasn't ready to call him elite. I'm still not sure I am, but I, I felt Fields gave you that elite level player. And then in the back end, I thought Tyke Smith counted as elite for the for the safeties, even if he plays up in the box a lot. And once you can get that kind of talent at all three levels, it really causes an issue with game planning for the other team. And it can really kind of if if you know you get a leak on the first level, that elite player on the second one can step in and fix it, and the third uh, elite player on the third level can step in and fix it. So I think it it just it helped easily. And then he just kind of helped lift everybody up with him. Mm-hmm. We talked about building a defense with Baylor and how they had that that difference maker on the line at linebacker on that that mid level position with that star and the cornerback, and they had they had a guy every one of them. Well, West Virginia's good, and they're they're one guy away from having that at cornerback, and I'm not sure they don't have it because Fortune and, and Miller are pretty good. By the way, are they playing different positions now? Fortune was almost always right, and now he's almost always in the left side yeah. now too. Interesting, I, um, and it, it's fine. But that was interesting. Um, and so they're they're close, and when you when you talk about the quantity of players there again, if you're filling out your four levels, because really it is kind of four levels now, and you have that hybrid player because he floats around a bunch. Um, they have guys on the defensive line, guys at linebacker. Everybody talks about Fields and Chandler. It's really fun to watch Chandler and Smith play and how they work with each other too on that same side. Um, and again, their cornerback play has been fine. I, I worry about them playing five games and you know seventy snaps a game, but um, that really hasn't been a problem as of yet. So they're 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 along that same track of having a really good defense because they have the personnel too. Uh, we can agree, fifty-one straight road losses is quite a long time, right? <laughs> yes. It go, it goes back to two thousand eight. So since then, West Virginia has not allowed fewer yards to an FBS team 
So that's the that's the view since the last Kansas Roadman in Big Twelve play. If you want to if you want to bracket it, and then the only other time they allowed fewer yards in a game was against Towson in 2014, 122 yards. So uh, pretty special today. So again, that's an FBS team out there with you know scholarship players and some talent. There'll be guys there that play in the NFL in a couple of years, and and I think they let their young players a lot, but. They don't have the endurance or the depth to keep up with what they saw today, so especially on the defensive side too. So, I mean, uh, overall, not bad. Um, that's the defense. <laughs> Do we have more we want to say about the defense? Or no, we said I, I think it? we covered it. I think we have. I mean, I don't think we said anything negative, and I'm not sure there's much negative to say. Uh, all positive, and they deserve it. So let's save our vitriol for the offense, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah. Again, I don't think anybody had a bad day on defense. Um. I mean, I even, I even thought, like, in blitz packages and just standard stuff, I kind of thought Tom Curry was fine. He gave him what they wanted. Um, didn't play a lot of guys, though, again, just just small doses. Like, I don't think we saw extra low. I don't think we saw a third cornerback. I don't think we saw a third safety even, just a small number of people. Um, and kind of made it work, which which kind of gets me to this. They're, they're playing few snaps, too. That's another thing, too. Like, if you're not allowing a lot of yards per play and you're not playing a lot of plays, you're getting out the field. That's that's a really good thing too. They can keep that going. Um, so yeah, watch their snap totals too because we're making a big deal about how they're not using their depth. They're not playing guys. They're not playing a lot of snaps too, and that's that's kind of a key to football. The other team isn't on the field. You can't do anything about it too. And, and as we've seen, the offense has given the other teams' offense opportunities to do something there too. Um, what the heck did we witness today? Because I'm going to tell you that they had a 300-yard passer, had a guy who probably should have had a 200-yard day. Um, I just that they, they took him out for like the final quarter and then, you know, had a guy who stretched the field finally, um, dominated and yardage 544 yards, had the ball for 32 minutes, scored 38 unanswered points. And I kind of feel like people are going to be blah about this. Like it wasn't as emphatic, as overwhelming, as satisfying as those numbers I just read seem to be. I mean, if anybody watched that game, I think they'd realize that too. I, I, like you said, this is one of those things where you look at the box score and you go, huh, okay, WV beat Kansas by 21. Had a 300-yard passer. Letty Brown went nuts. Okay, looks good. Um, I think even, you know, Neil Brown rattled off a couple stats, you know, 544 total yards, eight-point-something eight average per play. Um, but, man, it it, it wasn't – that wasn't it. Uh, I, I, the thing that bothered me most at the beginning wasn't necessarily Daggy. That offensive line was getting blasted, and Brown yeah. gave actually a very good reason for that. Uh, and and once he said it, you know, I, I hadn't paid that much attention to what Kansas had been doing prior to this game, but he noted that you know Kansas basically ran a three man front all the time. DJ Elliott always ran a three man yeah. front, and then they came out with a four man front. And again, no matter how good you are, if if somebody comes out and does something completely different from what you've been practicing for, it's going to take a little bit of time to kind of catch up. And so that made me feel a little better about the offensive line. Uh, the fact that, you know, Kansas just threw a complete wrench at them, caught them off guard. It happens. And then they adjusted and they got better. So I feel a little bit better about the offensive line than I did after those because that was the one that I was like, oh, this is a bad sign for the rest of the year. Because uh, they, they struggled to stop anything those first couple drives. Yeah, edges were not good. And yet, we I don't know if we mentioned this on the podcast or not. I think we might have. But we talked about the perimeter was going to be important, too. 
and then I think I actually wrote about this in the fresh set, but their linebackers never leave the box. They stay inside. They're attached all the time, and they really picked on that too where they were flicking it out to running backs a bunch in whether design or whether checkdowns because um, I think they were worried about Letty Brown. And, and to that extent, Stinkfield too. Like I think, I think West Virginia runs the ball well enough now where you say that's the thing we have to stop. You're certainly more worried about number four than number two. Um, but that's also what Kansas does. Three down, four down, whatever. You're going to have linebackers who are going to be populating the area above the center and the guards. And they picked on that a little bit, too, once they figured out how to do it. It's harder to block. Like it's People don't probably understand that when you go odd to even. You're, you're blocking and everything is all goofed up. And you got to get on the sideline. You got you to gotta whiteboard it and figure out how to do it. It took time. And they were fine after that, too. Um, here's my question to you. Brown's their best guy on offense, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No oh. doubt. Okay. <laughs> Where was he early in the game? I I think he I think Neil Brown took his let's get Alex Singfield some touches things a little too seriously for me, especially early because they 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 gave I think Letty two touches and then just went all Alex Singfield for like the next twelve minutes of game time and then finally turned back to. Letty Brown for that second quarter. And I think I had a tally there. So it doesn't count the last minute, but it was what it was 20 touches for Letty Brown for 119 mm-hmm. yards. And the rest of the offense had is either six or seven touches for 15 yards. Uh, and that was the, that was in the second quarter alone. So they certainly turned back and went to him. Um, but yeah, they, they just completely went away from Letty Brown there for, for most of the first quarter. And we're talking about the pass protection and the blocking in particular wasn't very good. And the offensive game plan seemed to be, we're going deep. Like, and that's another thing too. Like, I think that they were probably a little bit too into the Alex Singfield stuff. And believe me, I, I, I have a lot of shares of Alex Singfield stock. So like, I'd like to see my investment paid off here too, but there's a time and a place for that. I'm not sure at the get go is the way to go. And we've written a bunch about, the vertical passing game has to be better. They tried right away. TJ Simmons has one, drops it. Uh, he had an eventful day for a pretty brief day. Um, and they kept going deep on it. And then I wonder then, are they just, are they the monster under the bed, so to speak? Like, do you want to look under the bed and make sure it's not there? Or do you want to just like get some sleep? And I just feel like they could have gotten some sleep. What I mean by that is just get number four going, slip in number 20 eventually. And then when they start when they start getting worried about your running game, hey, you can open up a little bit. They went kind of counterintuitive. And I think just they're worried about the monster under the bed and wanting to see if it's still there. And the only way you can tell is if you take a look. And they took a look down the field a lot early in that game without great results, too. Notwithstanding, uh, a nice 33-yard touchdown pass from Diggy to Wheaton, too. That was wide open in the middle of the field. But, man, it just seems like Diggy has a hard time throwing deep balls up the rail. Yeah, the the throwing to the edge is is not his cup of tea. Uh, there were the two pass interferences, which is is a benefit of taking those deep shots down the sideline because you got I don't know what the actual percentages are, but maybe a thirty percent chance of there being pass interference. So that's fifteen yards in a first down, and they got two of them, and and neither one of them, one of them was a sketchy call uh, oh. for one in the first half. Um, and right before the touchdown, they should have been putting to the next, next thing you know, first down touchdown. Yep. And neither of them were good throws. And I'm not even sure either of them were even catchable. Uh, they were de- the second one was definitely just, just horrid. Mm-hmm. Um, but even not even counting those passes, like straight, you're talking straight up the sideline. That's, that's what the two pass interferences were. Uh, but a couple of the out routes, 
Um, you know, guys just, I think there was one where Sean Ryan went 10, right to the sticks and went out on the out pattern and Daggy threw it over there and it was two yards short and two yards out, almost out of bounds. Um, th- those are, those are routes that, that you run a hundred times a week and, and throw. You shouldn't be missing those. And he wasn't even under pressure on that one. So it's concerning the arm strength thing. I think, you know, all this kind of centers around arm strength and that that's concerning. Cause I, I never really thought, never really thought of him as like a big, huge deep threat with a Brett Favre type arm, but I never thought it was a weakness either. Yeah. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to I want to go just to credit the defense for a second too because one thing that Jordan Leslie said that I, I kind of I mean I agree with obviously but I'd, I'd seen it in the way too much Kansas I had watched too they do a bunch of different formation stuff and they shift out of things and they shift into things and they motion in and out um, you know they, they're probably one of those teams that runs seven things but does it out of like seven different looks which is not uncommon I, I really felt like West Virginia knew it was coming a lot a lot today either that or was able to adjust really fast to what I'd seen on film while I was watching as it happened. Um, West Virginia on offense, I, I kind of felt they would try to set Diggy up to, to be successful early and give him some high percentage stuff or let him be on the field for a while and move. So you know, they get to kick off because Kansas wins and defers and then take a deep shot right away that, again, should have been complete. And then they should have stayed in the field, maybe. Um, I'm not sure if Simmons gets that first down, but I'm kind of thinking if he gets down a yard short, they're probably going for it there. You can disagree with me on that. I don't know. But it just seemed like it was going to be hard for him to be successful early on there. And I thought their first drive in that last game was so good that they would probably borrow from that script and kind of give Kansas what probably Kansas expected. Maybe they were trying to zag when Kansas was expecting to zig. I don't know. But um, what changed in that second half, too? Was it wearing Kansas down with, with snaps and possessions? Um, it may be reality, in a sense. And and finally breaking the dam on that on that Brown touchdown run, and or, or do they play well and they just stacked up good results against Kansas? I think the offense offensive line improved again. That yeah. adjustment to the to the four four man front was pretty evident. Um, again, I didn't catch it as the game was going on. I just noticed, hey, this is a a very obvious difference in the offensive line somewhere towards the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, and it carried over to the second half. And eventually, West Virginia finally put the ball you know, in the end zone a little bit more and pulled away. So I think a lot of that was the offensive line adjusting to that pass rush, to that defensive front. Um, but, yeah, get, man, getting that release for that touchdown for Letty Brown, I felt like that was a big kind of, not sigh of relief. I think the game was well in hand, but um, just made kind of not well in hand. I mean, they were only up seven, but it, it made you think that, all right, that's it. That's good because – they dominated that line of scrimmage right there in that play. And then Letty Brown got through there and <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh. He got two yards and there wasn't another Kansas defender, obviously like in kind of a goal line front um, <laughs> up there. And he got through two yards and was gone. Um, so This is going to be really interesting to see what pro football focus does here, because I think someone got a hand on him. Mm-hmm. Is he going to get like 85 yards after contact? <laughs> Cause that's going to juke those stats really bad too. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about, putting subs in and I'm talking like not second string lineman, but Sinkfield, Reese Smith, Sam Brown, Ollie Jennings. Uh, I guess you really can't call TJ Banks a, a sub. He's playing a lot. Uh, but I mean, they went second team at the skill position up, you know, 31, I think 31, 10 
at that point and then had like 10 minutes left and you know they they got a first down and then Smith had a chance on a deep ball too but it, it seemed like cuz he's right going this too um I get it and they got to get these guys in the play cuz they're going to need them especially if Simmons is if he has his bell ring it certainly looked like he he did not have his wherewithal um so yeah Reese let him in let him go he and he, he spun he was fine for a little bit conversely you're starting to pull away. You got some momentum. You scored, and you're feeling good. I, I really want to let my ones go a little bit longer. Maybe one more possession. Maybe two. Uh, and I wrote about this too. Like, th- this isn't a team that's going to blow people out, so it's not going to happen very often. But like, so yeah, there's there's an idea to get the subs in. But man, I really want my ones playing and feeling good and having momentum and, and you know swaggering a little bit, and sauntering a little bit, and, and having some smiles on their faces and liking what's going on in between snaps because they haven't had a lot of that. So much of their offense this year has been a struggle. Heavy breathing, straining, trying to get the ball moving into the right direction. They had it going. It was moving really easy, and everything looked good and sharp and confident. And then you sit them down, and you let them watch the rest of the game. I wonder if like it would have been cool, beneficial, momentous to let them go into their series or two. I'm with you. Um, did oh. a radio spot, or I, I did a radio spot earlier this week, and, and somebody brought up, "Hey, this game got moved to the noon kickoff on Fox. Is this big for, you know, national exposure and recruiting and all that?" And I was like, eh. <laughs> I mean, it's still no. Again, no offense. I mean, it's still Kansas, and I think the most important part of this game is that the offense has to get going because it hasn't got going, and this is an opportunity where you can actually get going. And it'll mean something a little more than whatever you did against Eastern Kentucky. And as you pointed out, I I thought the exact same thing as the game was going on. I said, there, they finally got a couple, you know, they got the big Letty, the Letty Brown run. And then they followed that with a touchdown. I think it was, it wasn't the next drive, right? It it was two drives later Had a short field, short ish field. Um, Got down. No, it was the next drive. And it was like right around midfield that they got it. And, like four plays, went half the field, scored, boom, boom. Like, it finally got some momentum, like you said. And the first thing I thought of was, oh, mm-hmm. I hope they keep going with it. I hope they keep pushing it, even though the game's clearly over. But they need this confidence because they don't have it on offense. And I'm not sure those two touchdowns really gave it to them. Um, but it's it's a balancing act because I'm, I'm throwing this back to you on this because at the same time I was wondering – when are we going to get all these subs at wide receiver that were talked about? I didn't feel I, I didn't feel like there were too many early. I mean, they kind of got forced into it because T.J. Simmons, as you noted, very clearly got concussed of, of, or at some level on that first drive. And then Bryce Ford Wheaton went down with what looked like he might have broke his wrist. He landed with his entire weight on his left wrist and then immediately came off the field holding it, saw two trainers. And then was back in there the next drive, but they, they kind of got forced into playing guys early. But then you kind of just saw the same guys: Sam James, Bryce Ford, Wheaton, Winston Wright. And it wasn't until they made the mass substitutions that we finally saw Reese Smith, Ollie Jennings, and those guys with regularity. And, and Diggy seemed to connect with Reese Smith. Am I crazy in thinking that you know that looked legitimate there? He's got a much better feel. With Simmons, right, especially I thought, and 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 Smith, so maybe just the inside guys. And again, maybe. he's he didn't complete an outside pass against Oklahoma State, and they they fed him perimeter passes against Baylor early on, um, and he did better in that game. And then 
today wasn't great down the field either. Like the, the their outside passes were kind of creative on things and just like short stick stuff or like the touchdown pass to James was kind of creative. Um, but again, I, I think he's got a really good feel for inside, which is natural too, because those are the receivers who are closest to you. And, and when you know that cave is collapsing sometimes that you're going to have to get rid of the ball, you're going to throw to who do you see? And who you yeah. see is going to be the guy closest to you and that he's going to have that report too. Uh, Smith and Wright both played outside at times. Now it might've been formation stuff because they were doing some quick things where they weren't subbing. And it wasn't like no huddle tempo stuff, but they were just trying to, you know, expedite their action here. Um, and they'd be inside one play and they'd be outside the next. And it seemed like it had to do with flipping the sides of the field and how the formation had to align for the play they were calling. Uh, but I, I do wonder, like, are they even narrowing down who they have at receiver now, too? Because um, it was good to see Sean Ryan do some things, and it was good to see Ali Jennings, you know, in the field. I don't think Jennings had a catch. I don't think Esdale played. I don't think Brown had a target. Um, so you're, you're down to probably – Wheaton, James, Ryan, Jennings outside, and you're not going to get a lot of Ryan and Jennings. And then you know, Simmons is a starter, right? To starter, probably Smith inside. That's it, right? Yeah. I mean, Sam James, one catch on six targets. Wasn't good. Game. Was not good. Uh, Bryce Ford, Wheaton, he, he, you know, again, you're going to look at the box score. It's going to say five catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown. You're going to say, all right, that's nice. And Nine targets, and I think out of those four that, that he didn't catch, at, at least two of them were drops. So, two were drops. He had his hands on all four. Two yeah. were tough, though. Two were, like, probably good plays by the defensive player where things were just like, hey, that's a tough play. You know, ball could have been better. They play defense, whatever. But um, I will say this. He's a big target who who made plays on all the balls today at least, right? Yeah. Did not see that. That first deep ball against Baylor, I, I kind of thought he mailed in. Yes. And that hasn't been his strength. but So maybe that got through to him. And I, I'll tie this all together and we can go. They didn't pull him against Baylor, and they could have. And I think it was me. Someone asked Brown, you know, why do you stick with him? Yeah, yeah, all right. Well, you win the game with him. That's great. You know, he very easily could have been on the sideline. And he said, you know, I don't want to do that to young guys. You know, I, it's like pulling a pitcher that you're going to need for a long, long time. Um, and Wheaton wasn't throwing strikes. And then he threw a strike at the end. And they win the game. Um, I wonder... How long can you go doing that? How long can you let guys go procedure penalties? How long can you let I mean, how long can you let your <laughs> how long can you let your quarterback line up on fourth and six, right? Try to draw the offense, the defense offside, which would set up a fourth and one, not give you first down. Hurry into the next play and snap the ball. That's happened twice now already this year, right? And then he's made many other mistakes. Like I'm not saying you sub them, but like you see that and there's drops, there's penalties, there's missed assignments, there's this, there's that. And you can't you don't sub guys. And now I say that again critically, but also James doesn't have a good day, has drops, doesn't have a great effort in different situations, and he gets a touchdown. And you feed him that, and you feel good about him, and he's got a little pep in his step going in. I think it's a really interesting experiment because I'm I, I think a lot of coaches would do something different. You can't make these mistakes one, two, three, four games into the season. But again, who else are you playing? We don't know who the backups are. We don't know who the replacements are. So if you pull Wheaton, if you pull James, who's winning in that game in overtime against Baylor? Um, who's starting outside for you against Texas Tech, against Kansas State, against Texas, against TCU? I don't know. Certainly in Sam Brown. So I get it. I just I think it's really curious too. I don't really have an answer to this much as just asking the question that what's what's the line that's too lenient or too strict? You know where he did make a change, and we caught we caught it right here on this podcast last. Uh... Multiple times over the well, last two of them. Two of them. Um, punter. Yeah. 
Uh, and kickoff. And kickoff. Yeah, punter. Um, Cole McGee, that first punt, not great. Uh, from his own end zone, <laughs> 34 yards, I think, which set up that that bouncing touchdown uh, pass. But yep. then followed that up with, I think, a 50-yarder. Um, and then another one inside the 20. Ended with a solid day. And Tyler Sumter, to his credit, man, like you get benched. And then they bring you in to kind of do a pooch punt and just a beautiful whole team here effort there with a a beautiful 37 yarder. And they got three, four guys on the coverage unit standing at the goal line, making a complete wall and Kansas gets pinned all the way inside their own one. Um, Kudos to, 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 to him, to McGee for bouncing back after one poor punt and to Sumter for, to following through with, with just a great punt after getting benched. More or less. Yeah. The kicking's in his head right now. Clearly. Mm-hmm. I don't think he knows to do a Staley. And I don't know if Oof. he knows who a second kicker is. So you change your kickoff guy, which means you're 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 doing your kicker favors. Um and then Staley misses a a forty three yarder, is that right? Forty four. Forty four, which may be out of his range. It's probably the max of his range right now. Um reliably. I don't know what you do with him and leg. Um, it's not McGee, so it's those two, really. And then the punting thing, he used two punters today, and I'll have to go back and watch this, but on that fourth down when they brought in Sumter, they tried to take a delay, and the Kansas acting coach did one of my favorite things. He declined it, and I don't know why more coaches don't do this. Um, if it's fourth and one, sure. I think that was fourth and six, maybe. Call yeah. their bluff. They're going to go for it on fourth and six. Go for it. You know, that do it. I don't think you're going to do it. Um, and he called their bluff, and he didn't take the, he, you know, declined the penalty. And I think they had McGee on the field, and they brought Sumter in, which means he's flipping through the punters live streaming the game. He's like, all right, I don't want to punt with Sumter here. McGee's got a little bit more leg. We'll back it up. Oh, declined the penalty. Sumter go in. The dexterity involved there is pretty interesting. I'll have to go back and watch it, but I believe that's what happened. They didn't have a great camera angle on who was punting at that moment there, but he's he's definitely paying attention to this now too because new kickoff guy. It looks like situational punters, um, which by the way was Josh Gurdon's role at LSU. He was their pooch guy, um, and then kicking I think is going to be something they're going to have to do something about because uh, it's good. there's going to come a situation here where do we tie it? Or do we go for it because of our kicker? That's and, and the answer to that question is, how much do you or don't you trust your kicker? Uh, by the way, yeah, punter issue, kicker issue. Um, punt, special teams as a whole, it was on multiple different ways, but there were three penalties it's on, on, on punt, kick, return that based off of the return that it negated – and the negative yardage from the penalty swung the field around 80 yards. 80 yards mm-hmm. difference in three penalties. It's unacceptable. Like that, and it's been all year. And I think I mentioned it between those penalties on special teams and just kind of shooting yourself in the foot in general. Uh, the old saying of once is a fluke, twice is a coincidence, three times is a pattern. And this is three straight weeks of this. So, so there, so, you know, got to find, got to find the root of the problem and fix it. Yeah, and this is the thing. Like, I don't. Again, I get it. Get your subs in. You're going to have fleeting opportunities to do this, but you, you got to get your kickoff team reps. You haven't kicked off that much, right? And you're not doing practice. Like, and Puka's back there. They just put him back there last game. He's good. 
uh, I don't know if they were worried about the bookies at all who had 21 and a half at the final line, right. but like that game is still going on. Like, are, do you really need your backup kickoff guys out there? And then they just, they blew that play up. That ended up being a touchdown. That shouldn't have been a touchdown. Um, it, oh, learning experience. I'll be better because of it. Yeah. All right, fine. But like, so now, you know, you don't play those guys. So what do you do? Do you run another backup kickoff team out there the next time you have an opportunity like this? Like it just, it's, it's one rep and you know, they have starters on a kickoff. So maybe this guy thought their day was done, but it's one rep. I just, again, it's, it's a me thing. I'm sure it's just, a, it's, I'm curious about when a game devolves in a situation like that, you start to, you know, look at everything. You all right, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And they really went to their subs early and then saw that through to the finish where that kickoff return happens, which I don't think it changes the mood for the team, but um, you know, if you're the special teams coach, if you're Neil Brown, that man, we got a 21 point where they should have been a 28 point win. I think that tastes a little bit different, doesn't it? It certainly does. If uh, you are one of the 68% who told me that blew their cover on the game, I put out a poll on Twitter. I said, Is it, was that the greatest cover ever? Meaning you had Kansas covering the 22 and a half or was it the worst? And it's a 68 32 split on the worst. A lot of people pick a West Virginia to cover that just didn't get it. Sorry. One, yeah, little, there was one a g- little gambling thing in there. I had to get it. Oh, there's, a really good odds boost, too, that had uh, Clemson and West Virginia winning by 25. Both won by 25. Clemson won by 100. Um, but West Virginia can't borrow any of those points because they did not win by 25. So, uh, yeah, that's why they have those big buildings on Vegas. They kind of know what they're doing. Yeah. Well, you live in a big building, Chris. You know what you're doing. Um, do you know what you're doing the rest of this weekend? Uh, Going to have... I guess some uh, snap judgments and power rankings up tomorrow. Uh, I mean, it's only two teams that played. Uh, I usually do a good, bad, the ugly, and change up my rankings. Well, here's a hint. The good is West Virginia's defense. The bad is pretty much everything Kansas did out there. And is the ugly Baylor for the outbreak and canceling games? I don't know. I don't even know where to go with that. And I, I don't know if... I don't even know if my rankings change at all. I mean, you can't move West Virginia up for beating Kansas, and Kansas can't get, Kansas can't get any lower than tenth out of ten. So I'll have to see. I have to get creative with it. We'll see. Did you see the tweet by the dummies of Baylor? Uh, what was that? Somebody forwarded that to me, and it was like they had like a pep rally last yeah, night. <laughs> yes, yes, that was what was sent to me. But I'm sure we can, it, the we can't have a game because of COVID. Small. Yeah. We, we can't have a game because of COVID, and we probably got COVID in a tiny locker room. But you know what? Let's bring all the co-eds out onto the field and address them. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I, th- I think you found my ugly for my good, mad, and ugly. There you go. There you go. Embed that. It'll be fine. Yeah. Well, we have uh, plenty coming. Um, we'll open up the thread on the VIP board, ask your questions. We'll get to that Monday morning. Um, Chris, we're going to remember that this time, so we'll be good. Yes. And then uh, I have some things I think and know that I'm probably going to have to think about because this one does have me a bit disoriented. And then uh, plenty to talk about with some of the players after the game. Bryce Ford, Wheaton, Letty Brown, Josh Chandler. Um, Josh Chandler's been really good the last couple of games, too. Like, he's – I think that's a guy that we, we had questions about. What position is he? Everybody likes x Low. Chandler's totally taking control of that spot and, and really becoming a guy in that defense. Um, and then, again, plays really well with Tyke Smith and Pooler or Mesador and, and Darius Sills in front of him, too. He's, he just looks like he knows what he's doing out there. They're, they're salty on defense. I'm looking forward to them playing some of these, again, mediocre offenses here. Um, and again, here we go. Three and one. Three more in this 
two more in this four game season that we were talking about. Um, and really have a chance to, to kind of make a run here with the schedule. Yeah. Uh, at Texas tech won't be easy. A new quarterback. Let's see how that turns out. I'm, wasn't totally out on Alan Bowman yet, but uh, sometimes you got to make a change. And and West Virginia is going to get a new quarterback for the second week in a row, which can be interesting at times. Or third week, or no? Yeah, okay, that was not third in a row, uh, but third time this year. So it's going to be interesting. You know, get this defense gets a lot of curveballs. And you're going to get um, uh, Howard, Will Howard at Kansas State too. Mm-hmm. So. They'll keep them coming, but again, it doesn't. I don't think it matters so much who has the ball. It's it's going to be what that guy is looking at on the other side because whomever they put out there, there's 11 people for Jordan Leslie and Jamal Adai that seem like they know what they're doing and, and seem like they're pretty confident what they're doing right now, which um, is not a total change from last year, but you, you have a track record now, people who are older, who have been together. And I, I think a lot of people saw potential for the offense eventually, and maybe it's still there, but that defense has come together and. You know, despite some some obstacles we don't have to get into, but they've they've been pretty good. They've blended in new players from the recruiting class or from transfers. They've used their veterans. They don't have a ton of guys, but they're still finding a way to get out the field and stay out the field. It's pretty good. Yep. All right, let's finish up here. Well under an hour, so I'll, I'm I'm going to talk slowly because I have plenty <laughs> of time to the buzzer. Um, but that's it for this time. Uh, we will see you next time. That'll be Monday morning Q&A. Get your questions in. We'll try to answer them as best as we can. Until then, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you on Monday.